Imagine living your life after 50 and feeling energized and excited about your future. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast, the podcast for women who are ready to figure out what they want and create the life they deserve. Here's your host and master certified life coach, Susie Rosenstein. Hey there, welcome back to the podcast, Women in the Middle. I'm your host, Susie Rosenstein, your master certified coach and midlife mentor. And I'm so happy to be here with you again for this week's episode, which is a really important one because May is Skin Cancer Awareness Month. My guest is someone who knows all too well how important it is to increase your awareness about skin cancer because she's a survivor of melanoma. And she is also my sister. Stephanie Hart is committed to helping other people by sharing her melanoma story. Before her diagnosis in 2018, she was a 45-year-old single mom of a 15-year-old daughter, a full-time mid-level sales manager. She was dating, spending time with her friends, and, you know, just really enjoying life. And then she finally got an answer to a sore that wasn't going away on her toe. She never imagined what ended up happening next. In what seemed like a blink of an eye, she got a really scary and rare melanoma diagnosis and everything changed. Join us today as Stephanie shares how skin cancer came into her life and what you can learn from her story to protect and take care of yourself. Now, before we dive in, a little reminder that the information shared in this podcast is intended for your convenience entertainment, and education, and isn't geared to your personal situation. My guest today is sharing her personal story. This information is not a replacement for care or advice from your own medical professional. So as always, you may have some things you want to follow up on, so please seek a suitable professional to advise you on your personal situation. So without further ado, let's dive into this really important episode. Hi, Stephanie. Thanks so much for joining me today on the Women in the Middle podcast. Hey, Susie, I am so glad to be here today. I am beside myself that we are able to schedule this interview to coincide with a cause that you feel so passionate about raising awareness about, and that is Skin Cancer Awareness Month. And for those of you who may not know, Stephanie is my sister, and I'm thrilled to be able to share this important interview with you here today because as you can get the hang of this. It is really, really important. So let's start by telling everyone a little bit about yourself and what your life was like in your 40s before your diagnosis. Well, um, I was about 45 when I got diagnosed. So prior to that, um, I had been divorced in 2012 and was a single mom at that time of a 15-year-old daughter who was highly involved in theater and music and all the different choirs and just very, very busy. Um, And her dad lives three and a half hours away. So really just me locally for her. Um, I was working full-time as a sales manager and um, a mid-level sales manager of 12 to 13 sales reps. So a lot of responsibility with the reps and the, the customers. Um, I spent a lot of time with friends and family and I was dating. I was, I was in a relationship for, I guess, about eight months or so prior to my diagnosis. 
And we were out just having a blast. I was just having fun in life. And then all of a sudden, boom. (laughs) So what exactly did you mean by boom? What did you notice that was a little bit off? Well, to backtrack just a hair, many, many years ago, I got what looked like either a birthmark or a mole, just something very light colored on the cuticle line of my toe. Um, the, the latest picture I have dates back to 2011, actually, when I was um, showing off a pedicure of a polish that you told me about. <laughs> I remember um, that one. It was crackle. <laughs> yes, crackle. Um, so it actually showed up as a memory on my Facebook because I really wanted to remember what it looked like. So I would say the beginning-ish of 2018, it started to look like a blood blister on top of the mole, which made perfect sense to me. It was winter. I was wearing boots that could be rubbing on my foot. Um, it, it didn't look like anything crazy except a blood blister. So I let it go. Um, then I went to my diabetes checkup. I'm type two. I'm fine. It's under control. Um, but I went to my diabetes checkup. And at the end of the appointment, I recommended, hey, doc, do you think you can take a look at this? It's I don't know what it is. It's kind of weird. He glanced. He looked at it. He said, Ew, that's ugly. Cover it for a week. Um, if it's not better, go see a podiatrist. Probably need a podiatrist. Okay. Uh, of course, I'm busy mom, right? <laughs> so I let it go. I cover it for a week. It seems to look like it's a little more dry. Um, so I'm like, okay, whatever. A couple months go by. Next checkup. It's starting to look funky again. I said to him, I guess I'll, I guess I'll go to the podiatrist. Go to the podiatrist in September of 2018. And I walk in and immediately he says, that's a wart. I'm like, ew, okay. Do warts ooze and pus and bleed? And he's like, no. And that's why I want to do a biopsy to see what type of wart this could possibly be. I'm like, all right. So he does that. It hurts. I leave. I try to freeze the wart off because I'm impatient (laughs) and it really hurt even more than the biopsy. And um, a period of time goes by well over the amount it should have been. I call no results. I call again, no results. Then I get a weird call from a lab saying that they want to talk to this doctor about a patient's results. And I'm like, Oh, that doesn't really make any sense. What first, why would a lab call the doctor only something bad? Um, and why are they calling me? That has to be some type of screwed up. So finally, I get in touch with the doctor's office the next morning because I'm fuming at this time and that everybody's fumbling around and the doctor's like, we've been trying to get these results for you. I'm not sure what's wrong. Somebody was on vacation. He says he's going to bring them to the office tomorrow for me and I can come in and get them from him. And so I go to the office. And they hand me a sealed envelope, the nurses, and then show me on my way. And I said, doesn't the doctor want to review this with me? And they're like, no, he said everything's in there. So I sit in the lobby alone and I open it and malignant melanoma is staring at me. I I did. You know what? Every time I hear this story, I'm so confused by it. Yep. Like the one thing that's so confusing is that both of those um doctors didn't they weren't alarmed when they saw the thing which makes you think it was unusual right 
that they wouldn't have been prepared to see anything like that. It didn't look like any cancer that I saw in a book. That's for sure. Right. And then the way you found out about it is really strange. So what happened next? In that envelope was also a referral to a dermatologist. Now, I've never gone to a dermatologist because I really didn't have a need. Um, I didn't have acne growing up. I didn't, you know, have any major skin problems. As a matter of fact, I was my skin's always been pretty darn good. Um, now, I did get sunburned a lot when I was younger, but nothing is odd in those parts of my body. Um, so immediately I'm on a search and destroy mission at this point after I've stopped hyperventilating and crying and, and, you know, immediately dialing my whole family. Um, and so I called the dermatologist office and at the same time faxed over the biopsy results while I was on the phone with the office manager, um, trying to schedule an appointment. Next thing I know, um, the doctor and founder of this facility is on the phone with me. Again, I'm not a patient there yet. He's on the phone with me and he got on and he said, Ms. Hart, um, you know, I would be really, really happy to see you. But by the look of this biopsy, this is a really, this is a deep tumor and you're wasting precious time if you come to see me first, because I would immediately refer you to Dr. Jeffrey Farma at Fox Chase Cancer Center in Philadelphia. Wow. And... <laughs> I was um, terrified because I didn't know anything. I never Googled toe cancer, skin cancer, anything like that. It's, I mean, you think of skin cancer, you know, it's not really talked about all that much. And it's the largest organ in your body. And you think of skin cancer, you think, oh, they just cut it off and you're fine. You, you know, you just get, got to get looked at. Um, none of my doctors in my adult years or even my teen years have ever suggested getting a yearly skin check, um, which, by the way, I highly recommend. And if you don't already, I would schedule it today. Yeah, it's pretty shocking. Like, I don't know if this is a standard type of a story now that you've uh, met lots of people with skin cancer. What do you think? Something it sounds like something strange happened, but did it? Because of the location, mine's a very, very, very rare type of melanoma. So skin cancer, there's a lot of different skin cancers. There's basal cell, squamous cell, melanoma, which is the, the most deadly form of skin cancer, um, especially if you don't catch it early, which I did not. Um, we'll get into that, no doubt. <laughs> the location is very rare as well, because the type of melanoma is called acral lenticinous melanoma. And essentially what that means is on hairless parts of your body, um, hands and feet, smooth, hairless parts. Um, these are not even parts that really are subject to the sun very often. So, um, and oddly enough, this is the highest percentage of um, deadly melanoma in darker skin, which there's a fallacy out there that, you know, if you have dark skin, you don't have to worry about melanoma or skin cancer. It's, it's this old, I, I don't know where people thought of this, but Bob Marley, who is a black man, died of the same exact type of melanoma. Wow. And so it's, so yeah, mine was kind of rare, but, you know, people walk around with skin cancer all over their body and don't even know it. It's true. And, and I remember, of course, how scary it was 
for all of us as you were going through this. And the other strange thing that many people don't know is that this type of skin cancer can appear in your nail beds. Yes. Mine actually didn't appear as much in the nail bed, but it was in the nail bed. It was um, along the cuticle line of my big toe, my left big toe, um, or great toe as they call it. Um, And, you know, like I said, it started as what looked like either a little mole or or a birthmark. It was pink. It was nothing. Um, And it was flat. It was flat at first, too. That's the other thing. Flat, smooth. There was no texture change to my skin. It was it was nothing. Um, And I do remember it's odd. Hmm. So. um, But, you know, with 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 the toenail and the and the nails, so many of us have nail polish on the majority of the time. Um, It it wouldn't even occur to me to look at my nail bed for skin cancer. So that was really, really surprising. Okay, so you got this really strange um, events that happened about the way you found out about your diagnosis. And then you were told you needed to see a surgeon as soon as possible. Then what happened? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So then I immediately got on the phone with uh, Fox Chase Cancer Center. Um, For those of you that don't know, it's in Philadelphia and it is one of the uh, most renowned cancer centers in this area. Um, they have all sorts of research and clinical trials all under one roof, um, which is really, really important that you go see someone who specializes in your type of cancer, because no matter what the type is, you've got to get it taken care of by a specialist. So that's really important for me to say, um, had I started at a local hospital, who knows? what would have happened. Hmm. Um, being at a teaching hospital is, is very, very important to me. I guess, you know, you and I kind of grew up medical snobs. I mean, we went to the city for anything that was abnormal. Our father was a doctor and our mother was an RN. So I'm not, I'm not I- ignorant to medicine, which is the other bizarre thing about this, because if I thought it was anything crazy, if our mother thought it was anything crazy, it would have been taken care of years ago and none of us were no, it really. Yeah. Never. It just looked like nothing. Yep. Even now, when I look at those pictures, it, it just looks like a scab, a scab or a freckle, like a freckle, even before it just was a slight discoloration above your yep. nail on your yep. big toe. Yeah. So, <sighs> so yeah, I called Fox chase cancer center and was immediately put on the phone with a nurse, uh, nurse navigator. Um, and she was amazing. Every single person I encountered through everything I'll talk about was uh, astounding, kind, loving. We're even talking about the Starbucks girl inside the building. Um, this is an amazing place. If you are local to Philly or even close by and God forbid you ever need a hospital like this, please go to Fox Chase. Um, anyway, I digress because <laughs> I'm <laughs> always toot their horn. Um, so Bonnie set me up within a week with um, the chief of surgery. And I mean, it was normally would wait forever for these type of, of appointments. And it was just immediate because she saw my biopsy. And I suppose it was that much of an emergency. Um, needless to say, I was terrified. And so my whole army 
came with me to the hospital for the day of my appointment. Uh, mainly my mom was on every single visit with me until COVID came. Um, and those were just follow-up visits at that point. We'll get to that. Um, <laughs> so uh, I meet with my surgeon, Dr. Pharma, um, who immediately I could tell was just going to save my life. I just knew it. Had total confidence, even though my anxiety was at the highest it had ever been in my life. And um, he sat me down. He looked at the biopsy reports. He looked at the, the lesion and he just started talking about, all right, well, we're going to have to remove it. And that's going to mean amputating the top of your toe. And I just burst into tears. Like, cause he just kind of said it in a sentence. Not um, many people hear the word amputation in a sentence. It's a really scary word. Yeah. Really scary. Um, and I said, what, what do you mean amputate my toe? And he's like, we have to get clean margins. And in order to do that, we got to cut off a lot around the lesion. And he said, I am going to save as much of your toe as possible. So I'm not show, I'm not showing the people. You're what? holding up your thumb. <laughs> yeah. So I'm holding up my thumb right now. If you were to bend your thumb at the knuckle, that is where it was. Uh, he was telling me that it was going to be removed. So basically cutting off my knuckle and leaving only the bottom portion of the skin below my thumb um, so that when they needed to stitch it up, they would pull the skin from the bottom of my toe over so that no skin graft was needed, which saved a lot of things. First of all, a, a separate surgery, another surgery location, mm. um, and infection. There's a lot of risk of infection when you have skin grafts. And oftentimes they don't heal well right away. So he was really, really concerned about, you know, doing the least amount possible to me. Um, and additionally, because of where he cut it, I did not have any balance issues because had it gone any deeper, he would have had to cut the entire, um, you know, you know how your big toe kind of goes into the ball mm -hmm. of your foot. Had I had to lose all of that down into there, I would have never walked the same again in my life. And yeah. And at this point, you didn't know anything. Like as soon as he said amputation, you probably thought your foot was going to get cut I off. Did. Or something. Of course I did. I, yeah, of course I did. I, all I could think of with amputation was literally somebody sawing through my bone. Like, yeah. Oh, my God. What a what a what a crazy moment to hear that. I mean, yeah. he's just he solved the problem already in his head. And he's yep. just telling you matter of factly. Meanwhile, your your like head exploded. And right. yeah, and that was said, listen, don't sugarcoat anything for us because we're a medical family. Right. You know, we get things, we understand them. I don't need layman's terms. I just don't need it sugarcoated. So I mean he was he was doing what I asked him to, but also in a very sensitive kind mm -hmm. way and very reassuring. Um, but at that point also um he said to me, he said, then there's a second part to the surgery, he said, before we amputate, we're going to inject a dye into that tumor. And that dye is going to travel to your nearest lymph node where cancer would travel if it did. And I said, well, what would, what would that mean? And he said, well, there's only a 20% chance it would be in your lymph nodes. Um, so if it's not, then we're done. You're essentially cancer-free, go get screened, you're good to go. I'm like, oh my God, I have like a 
80% chance of just like killing it. And um, so what happens is then the, the, the dye goes to the lymph nodes and they go in and they take a biopsy of the lymph nodes to make sure that the cancer did not enter my bloodstream. He, uh, he explained it all. And then they scheduled me for surgery a week later. That was pretty shocking, too, and reassuring that things were so quick. Yeah, but that made it scarier for me. I can see how. (laughs) At my end, I was just so relieved that you were at the best place and they were able to accommodate you very quickly. But I know my perspective was very different than your perspective. Absolutely. But, you know, the fact that they were like, "Okay, we're doing this in a week. I'm like, wait a second. Is it that serious? Like, I'm still at this point. I'm like, okay, I know melanoma is pretty serious because I had remembered way back when I was still married. My husband at the time was working in an office in Philadelphia and there was a funeral service he needed to go to. And I went to be supportive. And it was a gentleman who had been told he had melanoma a couple months prior and then he was gone. Oh, my God. Yeah, that uh, that's all that stuck in my head. And then, of course, I doctor Googled everything, which is fine because I'm all about knowledge. It wasn't that didn't scare me anymore. That just made me prepared for what I was looking at. Um, So, yeah, I had a week to just kind of figure it all out and party with my friends and live my life as best I could with with all the anxiety. And um, there was anxiety. Mm. Oh, yeah, that was that was brutal. It was the I mean, back in 2015, as you know, um, we had a rough 2015, but I had up my antidepressant to, you know, I doubled my dose in 2015. And then in at this time, as soon as all of this happened, I went to my primary again and I said, listen, I need, or actually I called because I couldn't go in. I was too, too much going on. Um, I, I said to him, I said, I'm going to need more. <laughs> and um, yeah, each trauma in my life has kind of unfortunately increased my medication doses, but at least it's working. Well, you have so. the care team set up. I mean, yeah. that's also amazing to be able to know what you're going to need. Yeah. And take care of business. Yeah. Which is what you did. Yeah. Oh, I took care of business, man. (laughs) Um, So surgery day came and I have some pretty awesome local sisters. All my sisters are awesome, but I have two local, local sisters who um, got together with some of my friends and made cute little, you know, signs. Signs were a riot. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Actually, I still have them. Do you have them? What were some of the sayings on those signs? We love you, Stumpany. Stumpany. (laughs) (laughs) One of my favorites. Uh, My nickname in my family is Tutu. So one, one. Um, 10% off your next petty. Uh, what else? StubHub called. (laughs) We want our toe back. Now, when you were being presented with these hilarious signs, did you agree that they were hilarious? Oh, my God. I was like, I was cracking up. because so good. Here's the thing for me. This is who I am. Everything that happens to me in my life, I use humor to get through. 
because what else am I going to do? Am I going to crawl under a rock and bawl my eyes out for two weeks and not handle it? No, I joke about things. I lighten the load. And, you know, not just for myself, but for the people around me as well, because it's an uncomfortable topic to talk about, you know, oh, God, I'm so sorry you were diagnosed with cancer. I know nobody knows what to say. And I have to say, when you were going through all of this, you were posting on Facebook and you were being very authentic and you were really sharing. And when you first did it, I was a little taken aback because I am not that comfortable immediately. I get that comfortable, but I'm not that comfortable right away. And I, I could see I could see that it was really helping you and people were so supportive and it made me feel better, too. I was it was very interesting for me to watch how you were handling it. And what really stood out was that, like I said before, you were taking care of yourself. This was self-care. Yep. And advocating for yourself. Yes. Really, really important. And most people don't have a medical background and don't have a mother who's an RN. Um, you know, so most people aren't out there advocating for themselves because they have no idea that anything's going wrong with their care or their treatment or whatever it is. So, you know, I don't know, maybe my future career is to be an advocate for people with skin cancer. I don't know. Not a Uh, bad idea. Right. Like a patient advocate. It's Um, just so surprising that this went on. So from, from the time that you, that pedicure that we have, photographic evidence with the crackle nail polish mm-hmm. um, to surgery day. How much time was that? Well, that was two. That would have been summer of 2011. And it was fall of 2018. So seven and a half years. Wow. And most of that time, the vast majority, you didn't even know there was trouble brewing. Had no idea. Right. Wow. Didn't even notice it growing. Didn't know. It was nothing. Yeah. Wow. Nothing. Here's here, here's a funny sign. Happy Toputation Day. <laughs> Toputation Day. <laughs> you know, and as we were all hearing about a toe amputation, I mean, we knew it was surgery and therefore scary. We knew it was cancer and therefore scary. But somehow when you hear toe, you're like, well, it's like a finger. It's like a gallbladder. It's like. It's a small thing, but then you start to put it all together. And when we saw what your foot looked like after surgery, oh, my God, we almost all of us just almost fell over. Those pictures are very hard to look at, except you got such a good result, you know, (laughs) so we had faith that it would heal. But Wow. Yeah. 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 You know, and it's funny you say that because, as you know, everyone else doesn't know this, but. The guy I was dating at the time. All right. So now remember, there's still a 20% chance this could be a lot more than it is, right? So we get through the surgery. And if we want to go back to that, we can certainly go back to that. But after the surgery, um, the boyfriend didn't do what was needed to do. You know, we had stuff lined up, yada, yada, yada. He texts me and he says, I don't understand why you're so, you know, blown up about all this. It's just a toe. It's not like it's a lung or a boob. Oh, my God. Yeah. Bye-bye. He said that to me. And I said, yeah. get the hell out of my life. 
Yeah, that's so. Me, we don't even know if I'm stage three or four at this point. And you know what? Screw you. It's not you getting it cut off. I know. I know. It, it's it was such a crazy thing. Because I think everybody who love who loves you wanted to believe that it's a small part of your body. Therefore, the problem will be small, you know, but we knew that that might not be the case at all. And surgery is scary and anything can happen and cancer is scary and anything can happen. And I loved seeing all those signs because that's the thing too. When, when your family is not all local, I'm sitting here by myself dealing with shit and uh, you know, we weren't all together and, and it, you know, you're trying to piece together uh, information as best you could, pulling on my own medical resources and and the Google and 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 yeah. you and your team, you guys were putting together amazing information. But still, it's so easy. If if it was easy for my mind to start <laughs> getting all anxiety ish, uh, I I couldn't even imagine how you were pulling it together. I didn't have a choice but to pull it together. I, I know, I know, it's true. But you know what? You did have a choice, but You're it right. wasn't the thing that you chose. I mean, that's really from my perspective, your strength and all the jokes about the toes and all the the jokes about your name, Tutu, being so closely aligned with Toto, um, it all helped. And seeing you so open to it and so comfortable with the connection you made with the surgeon so quickly um, leading up to all this and knowing that that negativity coming from that boyfriend that he was now gone and just all of it, it started to feel, even though it was so much uncertainty, it felt like you had a, a strong foundation there, even though you didn't have all the answers yet. So then what happened? So I go in surgery day with all the signs and balloons and, you know, everybody's just kind of wandering, walking in with me like an entourage, literally my own entourage. Mm-hmm. Um, so eventually we sit, sit around for a little while, just totally laughing, stirring up the whole hospital everywhere we went. We were a party. And um, finally, they they told me it was time to take me back. And I... Um, I was just really, really hopeful I would come out. And because, you know, anesthesia, period. I mean, it, surgery's it's no joke. Always a risk, always a risk with, with anesthesia. Um, so I went in and everybody, of course, was amazing. They did the normal pre-op stuff. Um, and then I went to sleep and I woke up and I didn't remember a thing. Couldn't feel a thing. I had a nerve block on my foot. It was wrapped really big. I'm like, that's a big wrap for a foot. Um, it's just a toe, right? <laughs> um, it was very confusing. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You try having it on you when you wake up. Um, so, yeah, it was very confusing. I woke up and I'm just like, it, what, what's going on? And, and so the doctor came in. He said, we got totally clean margins. I am 100% confident. And he said, we were able to save, you know, that whole bottom half of the toe. And um, we did get a few lymph nodes um, to biopsy. And it'll be about 14 days till we find out, um, you know, if we're done. I said, okay, still 20%, right? And he's like, yep, still 20%. 
Um, so hours later, they ship me home. Having an amazing circle of people in your life is not a choice. It's a gift. And it's also, uh, it's a true story of how you actually live your life. Yes. Um, you don't just pick handpick people and say, okay, you're in my circle. You have to be supportive as well. You have to be in their circle. You have to be a good, reliable, trustworthy person and kind. And so not patting myself on the back, but the way I live my life has allowed me to have this huge, massive, warm hug around me through this whole thing. And lean on your circle. That is my huge advice because I am not one who asks for help ever. Yeah. What was that like for you? When did you realize that you needed to lean into that a little bit? In the next phase. Mm. Two weeks later. Okay. So what happened? What happened next? Unfortunately, um, my biopsy results came back and there were microscopic cells, Mm. which meant that it was stage three. And now I got to go get tested for stage four. Hmm. And that was not when I truly thought I was going to die. Yeah, that is, it was so scary. That's when oh. I took a week of absence from work. Because yeah. I had started working again just from my desk with my foot prop. Because I had to get my mind off of these damn results that I was waiting. Yeah. Um, and so the next step, Dr. Pharma told me was going to be to have a PET scan which scans the rest of my entire body, all my organs and everything else to see if the cells were anywhere else besides my lymph nodes. And right here is where I go back to the podiatrist and my doctor because they could have prevented that. Mm. Think about it. One, two, three months plus a month waiting for biopsy results, microscopic cells in my lymph nodes. Think about that. Yeah. Wow. So, um, so you they, actually went back to them and told them what happened. Well, as a matter of fact, um, once this was all said and done, when I finally went back to my GP to go back into getting checkups, he walked in and he said, well, you've been up to no good because they obviously sent him all the reports. And I said, yeah, as a matter of fact, we need to have a conversation. And I said, you failed me, doctor, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, what do, you, what do you mean? I said, the last time I was in to see you, you glanced over your shoulder when I asked you to look at it while you're putting notes in your computer for something else. And you told me it was ugly and I should see a podiatrist. And that's pretty much all you recommended. You didn't even look at it closely. And then you referred me to this podiatrist And he misdiagnosed me and wasted a month of my life. And the doctor just kind of sat back in his chair and slouched down a little. He put his head down and in his hands and he said, Stephanie, I am so sorry. This won't happen to anyone ever again. I said, that's all I'm asking. I said, and the reason I'm back in this office is because you and I had such a great relationship as doctor patient for years and I wanted to give you a chance to make up for this because I almost died. I could have died and you didn't even look. Wow. He was extremely genuine. 
thank God. And what uh, an empowering moment for you. I just sat there. I'm like, you know, I'm in charge of this appointment. And uh, yeah, we got through it. And he just, he was very humble. And that's why he's still my doctor. He had one chance at that point. And it was going to be his response to that situation. Wow. Um, So PET scan, terrifying scan anxiety prior to the, to the thing. Um, It's a real thing. Scan anxiety. It's a true thing. No, it's not a Webster's dictionary word, um, but it's true. Uh, These scans provoke horrific thoughts in your head. Um, And you have to do whatever you can to get your mind off of it and distract and, and whatever you can do to just get through the time that it takes to get to the scan. And then the time it takes to get the results. You know, really, I just kept thinking, honestly, about the people I have around me, and I have so much love, and no matter what, we're going to fight to the bitter end to, to deal with this. Mm-hmm. I've never given up, and we as a family have gotten through some horrific tragedies and traumas in our life. Horrific. Yeah, I so mean, your resilient character and strength and skills yep. and practice managing hardship and trauma um, yep. really helped you. Yeah. Tremendously. Yeah. Um, Not that you wouldn't, w- you know, we wouldn't wish it on anybody, but it did help in a weird way. Uh, yeah. Just that you had, uh, had to cope with some very uh, intense things in the past and yeah. you knew that you had a solid circle. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, First and foremost, you guys, my sisters, my mom, um, and Peepa, my step, our stepdad. Um, Peepa, you know, he's not like the emotional, fuzzy, um, warm and fuzzy hug kind of guy, but he made sure that I knew financially I did not need to worry during this period of time. He took that away from me. No, oh, that's amazing. And yes, we're yes, we're old and we still say peepa. <laughs> yes. He's our peepa. Um anyway, he Oh my gosh. That, that's a thing. People really obviously people who are, you know, not just single moms, families who have limited incomes, medical bills are scary as hell, even if you have insurance. That's now you know, my out-of-pocket max in a year was $6,000, okay? So where am I getting $6,000 that I didn't normally have? Yes, and also the pressure of all the details and administrivia that goes along with insurance and hospital care and bills. And and can I tell you, oh. go to a cancer center because Fox Chase Cancer Center took care of all of that for me. So what was your treatment like? How? What happened next? All right, so PET scan comes back negative, thank God. Um, so what I'm told by the surgeon is that now I'm going to get set up with a medical oncologist, um, who is going to follow me through and make sure that I remain clean and that, 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 and that the surgeon, Dr. Pharma would still be seeing me every three months to do an ultrasound of my groin to make sure that there's no activity in those lymph nodes. But, you know, every three months I was going in for an ultrasound in my, in my groin. Um, every month I was seeing the oncologist, which after the, at the first appointment, he explained to me what this program was. It was called immunotherapy. Um, 
because melanoma is extremely stealth and very, very powerful. And so it can come back at any time. There is no cure for melanoma. What they call it is NED, no evidence of disease, meaning right now (laughs) we don't see anything. Um, But you got to keep coming back because we got to keep looking, which there's that lifetime of anxiety I get. So that's great fun. (laughs) Mm. Um, But it's manageable and I have an amazing team. So my medical oncologist explained to me what immunotherapy was that currently right now they don't see any melanoma in my body because the doctor got it all out. He got it off the toe. And the lymph nodes were clean now. Um, He said, but, you know, this really is just to prevent it from coming back. I said, okay, (laughs) I don't really like that. But anyway, he explained it would be a year of treatments once a month. Um, There could be some side effects. I itched, literally. And I I had red, patchy all over myself for, for two solid months after I started. When did you start to feel better? So now you were coping with post-amputation and now you're into your treatment um, uh, plan. When did you start to feel, I know, the, feel better emotionally foot, better and physically better? Well, the, I never felt physically bad because of the melanoma. You, didn't, you don't feel it. <laughs> um, but the amputation, let me tell you, that's a lot of pain. Mm. a lot. And I'm one of those people who does not sit down for very long and, you know, doesn't like to ask for help. So I needed to start asking for help and accepting help. And um, I would say it was a good, I mean, listen, the nerves are still tender Mm. and it's been since um, November of 2018. And I know you were so excited that you could still wear a flip-flop. Oh my God. (laughs) Because I'll tell you what, I'm a barefoot girl, which means I'm a flip-flop girl. I would say 10 months out of the year. And in Pennsylvania, it's cold six months out of the year. So I'm a flip-flop girl. And I was, I was freaking out about that, to be honest. Um, but when I when once I got the wrap off and and I saw it, I'm like, oh, flip-flop can still stay on. The stub is good. So, <laughs> So, yeah, I was really grateful for that. It's the little things really in life yeah. that you don't think about, um, you know, but I then suffered some some issues because the way I was walking to favor, uh, you know, the foot. So it didn't hurt as much. Ended up having some major tendon issues in the left side of my foot, um, in the left side of my left foot. And it, it was going straight up my leg. So then I had to go to a, um, a foot and ankle doctor get fitted for special orthotics and then go buy special shoes. And they were so so attractive. Oh, they were very nice. Um, Mom insisted I get, go to this place on 309 up near where we live, that it's the shoe place for, you know, people with troubled feet. And I'm like, you know what? I don't want troubled feet and I don't want your special shoes. Cause I'm like, 45 years old and I don't need special shoes, but I got them and I wore them for the time that I needed to. And they were really expensive, but mom made sure to pay for them. And I felt really bad when I stopped wearing them, but sorry, mom. 
I couldn't anymore. But they did their job. They helped you, right? Exactly. Plus the lymphedema was actually really kicking in and the swelling was really bad. So sometimes ugly shoes for the win. So now that you are on um, this side of things, you've been through a lot. You've thankfully um, regained as much health as you can, really. Like, you feel great. You you look great. And I know most recently um, the hospital was very happy to invite you to speak. What was that experience like? Oh, my gosh. Well, there's been a couple experiences. First off, uh, in I guess it was September of 2019, uh, so post-surgery, almost a year, um, I created a team for the Miles for Melanoma March in Philadelphia at the zoo, and a huge team, and had shirts made and all that stuff, raised $6,000 for the Melanoma Research Foundation. Um, which is one of the main funding sources for all of this research that actually saved my life. Um, and they asked me to be the patient speaker at that event. Um, so that was pretty cool. One of our local news guys introduced me and, and um, it was great to be able to tell my story uh, to, to people who a under, most understood it, many didn't. And um, just to spread the word of awareness for melanoma. Yes. Um, so there was that. And then, you know, I'm still going through treatment at the time. And um, next thing I know, I get a call from this post-treatment now. I finished in October of 2019. I was done treatment. I did lose my thyroid, not out of my body, but I now have to take thyroid meds and whatever. I'm alive. Medication is fine. Um, but then they, they, they called me one day and they said, we're really, you know, we're launching a new commercial campaign and we would love it if you would take part in this. Now, my background is in broadcast journalism and news and and all that. I'm like, okay, I can be on a set again. That's awesome. (laughs) Um, plus I get to tell people about the importance and you know, all of this stuff. And it wasn't just about melanoma. This was about Fox Chase and where you start with your care matters. It's true. It's, it's super important where you start. That doesn't mean don't get a second opinion because I did get a second opinion just because. And um, so they asked me to do a commercial shoot and I did and I have it and it's really good. I still haven't seen it live on TV yet and I still haven't heard it on radio yet, but it's out there. Um, they also have a social media campaign, which I've seen a bunch of them pop up. Um, oh, my gosh. It's so it's so fun to see this on Facebook. And of course, I'm not watching the local news, but I have all the videos and it's really, really fun to watch. And you did such a great job. And your story is so compelling and your messages are so clear. So in the nutshell, um, it's very important for everybody to remember that not all melanoma comes from the sun. Most of it does. Mm-hmm. but not all of it. That was a surprise. Don't go in those tanning beds. Mm. Not just the sun. UV light. When you get a manicure, guess what? You're going under UV lights. I highly recommend the gel. <laughs> or just do or your own nails. Dip. Dip. Or nothing. I yeah. don't do my nails anymore. Yeah, I know. With, with the pandemic, I haven't done them either. Yep. Um, 
Yeah. And also you've said this several times, uh, this, the importance of advocating for yourself for treatment and diagnosis. Yep. Yep. Um, advocating. I, I can't stress it enough. Um, and, and if you aren't up on healthcare, you know, and you don't really know how to research it, please, please, please find someone who does. And also, um, that you shared that you still struggle with anxiety and depression and some pain and swelling. And it's a reminder that even though you're on the other side of the treatment plan, uh, there are still some side effects and you still have to advocate for yourself. Absolutely. And I'm, you know, I'm still going to the doctors every three months, you know, every three months I see the surgeon and then every three months I see the um, oncologist now. So it's a six month period of time, but I still got to go there every three months. And it is um, as much as I love it there. And I love the people. It's a horrible reminder. Yeah, exactly. But I'm grateful. It, you're so grateful. And so what would you say the biggest piece of advice is for other midlife women, women in the middle, we're all about the midlife woman's experience now. What would you say the biggest piece of advice is? Regarding melanoma, if you see something on your skin and if it's, you know, if you're just not sure, get it checked out. If you're in doubt, get it checked out. Out. And even if it doesn't look weird, you've got to start seeing a dermatologist yearly. Just go get a baseline. And then at least you know if something has changed. So, one of the most important things you can do to advocate for yourself and your skin um, in between doctor's visits is know the ABCDEs of melanoma. Um, the first one is asymmetry. If it's not perfectly round, if it looks like an amoeba shape, you know, that's not normal. Um, The border, if it has jagged edges or is just kind of like weird, that's not normal. Color, if it's really dark, even if it doesn't even have color to it, not normal. Um, Diameter, if it is larger than 0.25 millimeters, it's not normal. Get it checked out. Um, and if it's evolving, if it's changing, if it's growing, if, if, if like, that's what I, I didn't realize mine was growing until it was grown. So that's why you really, really, you've got to take care of yourself. I would suggest every single week or at least once a month, taking a look in a full length mirror, get in your skivvies, get naked. You gotta. And let me tell you, once you have melanoma, going to the dermatologist is not nearly as easy as normal because they get really private. (laughs) I've been been asked to bend over. Yeah. (laughs) So really what you're saying is pay close attention to your skin and see a physician, get it checked out. You can do as much as you want on Google, but in the end you really do need to see a healthcare professional, and you need to advocate for yourself if you're not getting, um, I don't know, if you're not getting a response that makes sense to you, if you don't feel that you're getting the kind of care that you need to have at this point. Um, Because there are some rare conditions, be an advocate for yourself, see a healthcare uh, professional. If you need to see a second one or a third one, do that too. Why not? Yep. 
Absolutely. And, and one of the, the main things about finding these things early is almost always, if you catch it before it hits your bloodstream, you can be cured. You have to be an advocate for yourself. If you don't do it, nobody else can help you. Exactly. Right. Um, you yeah. have to speak up and get help to get help. I know that sounds weird to get help to get help, but you have to you have to start somewhere. Um, I've had like six, seven, eight people message me and say that they've gone to the dermatologist because of the stuff that I've shared mm -hmm. and that things have been removed in situ, which is the very beginning. Wow. And um, that's why I do this. Yes. I talk about it. Yeah, that's right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to share your story. I really appreciate your authenticity. And I know somebody listening today has noticed something weird and is going to be inspired to make that appointment. I really hope so. Absolutely. That's all I can hope for. You know, well, that's it. We're not physicians. All we can do is share the stories and encourage you that when in doubt, check it out. Exactly. When in doubt, check it out. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. You're I wish welcome. you the best of health and continued influence in this really, really important area of helping women advocate for themselves, not just in midlife, but all the time. It's really, really important. Absolutely. Thank you. Happy to have done this. Thank you. And I love you so much, my sister. Oh, love you too. So glad you were here with us today. Take care. You too. Okay, that's it for this episode. I know it can be scary to hear a story like this, but I think you'll agree it's really important to raise your awareness about skin cancer. It's also a good idea to be reminded about how important it is to follow up with your physician with questions about your skin and to make sure you're doing whatever you can to stay healthy and safe. If you see something weird on your skin, follow up and get it checked out. According to the Skin Cancer Foundation, with over 5 million cases diagnosed in the United States each year, Skin cancer is America's most common cancer. Fortunately, skin cancer is also one of the most preventable forms of cancer. Stephanie's skin cancer was a rare form not caused by the sun. That's unusual. The Skin Cancer Foundation says that about 90% of non-melanoma skin cancers and 85% of melanoma cases are associated with exposure to ultraviolet radiation from the sun. By sharing facts about the dangers of unprotected exposure and encouraging people to check their skin for warning signs, we can and will save lives. Specifically, the Skin Cancer Foundation recommends the following tips. Seek the shade, especially between 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. Don't get sunburned. Avoid tanning and never use UV tanning beds. Cover up with clothing, including a broad-brimmed hat, and UV-blocking sunglasses. Use a broad-spectrum sunscreen with SPF of 15 or higher every day. For extended outdoor activity, use a water-resistant broad-spectrum sunscreen with an SPF of 30 or higher. Apply one ounce, that's two tablespoons of sunscreen, to your entire body 30 minutes before going outside. Now, I don't know about you, but that is more than I normally use. So what I personally recommend is squirt some out and look at what two tablespoons is. Actually measure it and then you'll know. Reapply every two hours or after swimming or excessive sweating. 
Keep newborns out of the sun. Use sunscreen on babies over the age of six months. Examine your skin head to toe every month. See a dermatologist at least once a year for a professional skin exam. And finally, get all the details. Get your free download. It's called your Daily Sun Protection Guide. Head over to www.skincancer.org. Let's keep this important conversation going all the time, not just during Skin Cancer Awareness Month. All right, as you know, my focus as a midlife coach is to help you waste less time spinning and feeling stuck about aging, about empty nest, about relationships, about your career, about being more compassionate towards yourself, about all of it. It's time to get excited about your life again. Remember, being the queen of your brain domain is the best way to be, and I am here to help. This is what you'll learn when you hire me as your coach. Learning the mindfulness concepts are one thing, but when it comes to applying the concepts, that's when you really benefit from coaching. So if you want to go from, I wish I had, to, I'm glad I did, make sure you join the Finally First Club. We are waiting for you. It's your one-stop home away from home for midlife coaching, community, and connection. You can finally get that fresh perspective that will help you sail into your next chapter with a big, huge smile on your face because you'll finally be putting yourself and your happiness first. Join us now at www.iamfinallyfirst.com. For show notes and links, head over to www.coachwithsusie.com. And to get a copy of my new book, 50 Ways to Celebrate Life After 50, check out Amazon or your favorite online bookseller or go to www.50waystocelebrate.com. Let's do this, ladies. It's time for you to put yourself first, one thought at a time. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.